Welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast, where your host, Isabel Ross, interviews experts and athletes in the field of endurance sports. Isabel Ross is a three-time Australian long-distance mountain running representative at the World Championships with a best finishing place of 10th female. Twice Australian trail champion, she has won the six-foot track marathon, run a sub-three-hour marathon, and won a 24-hour track race overall with a distance of 198.7 kilometers, as well as competing in and winning grueling ultramarathons in rugged, mountainous terrain. Isabel has raced all over the world, including participating in the notorious Barkley Marathons. Isabel is an Australian and USA-accredited endurance coach working with athletes of all levels and is a certified UESCA ultra running coach. She's also a personal trainer and podcast host. Hello everyone and thank you for joining me on the Peak Endurance Podcast. Episode 92 is an interview with Damien Hall. Damien recently entered the ultra running record books by breaking the fastest known time, or FKT, for the 268 mile, 431.48 kilometres, Pennine Way. Now ratified as 61 hours and 35 minutes, Damien's time bettered that of American ultra runner John Kelly, who I spoke to earlier, and who just a week earlier had run in 64 hours and 46 minutes. Prior to that, the record had stood unbeaten for 31 years, belonging to Mike Hartley, who ran 65 hours, 20 minutes in 1989. The Pennine Way is Great Britain's oldest and arguably toughest national trail, twisting its way from, and I'm trying not to butcher the words, Kirk Yethom in the Scottish borders to Edale, Derbyshire, and including a section along Hadrian's Wall. Much of it is over remote boggy hills with a total ascent that exceeds the height of Mount Everest. Popular with hikers who actually usually complete it in 16 to 19 days, Damien did it in just two and a half, battling sleep deprivation and all manner of tough weather conditions along the way. When he's not running, Damien is a coach and a journalist and author with more than 20 years experience of writing for and editing magazines, newspapers, books and websites. Are injuries or niggles ruining your enjoyment of running and hindering your performance? Get on top of these and see the specialists at Health and High Performance. Utilising the latest in technology and with a wealth of experience, the team at Health and High Performance can assist you with all your running, injury and performance needs. So get back to enjoying your running and achieving the results you are capable of. And head to healthhp.com.au forward slash run or find them on Instagram, Health High Performance. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. It's been so awesome that so many people have taken the time to go onto Apple Podcasts to rate, review and subscribe. Jimmy Goggins gave five stars and said, I love the interviews as the questions really draw out a huge amount of information from the quality guests. Very helpful for anyone wanting to reduce injuries, be a better, faster, stronger runner and showing us what humans are really possible of achieving. A great listen. Thanks for that. Mitch Clark also gave five, five stars and says, love the mix of runners from Australia and abroad. Isabel is very passionate about her running and it comes out in her interviews. She has interviewed some of my favourite runners and running personalities and always seems to have a great flowing conversation. Highly recommend. 
Thanks for that, Mitch. And um, I'm glad you're enjoying the people I'm interviewing and that you like the style. Thanks for that. Next, Pete Spink gave five stars and says, love the diverse range of guests and topics covered. The questions asked mean I learned something really useful for my own training every episode I listen to. Izzy always puts her guests at ease so they're happy to talk. You feel like you're listening in to a chat between legends. Thank you for all those wonderful reviews and thanks for that, Pete. I'm glad it sounds like a chat. That's kind of what I'm going for as well. And I truly appreciate it. If you enjoy this episode, please do go on over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review and subscribe even. At Peak Endurance Coaching, I coach athletes to run any distance on any surface, be it road, track or trail, from beginners to advanced athletes. If you're interested, email me, isabel at peakendurancecoaching.com.au so that I can help you with a structured, individualised plan that takes into account your life and your running needs. Enjoy the interview with Damien. Hi, Damien, and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. No problems. Can you tell the listeners a bit about yourself, your athletic background and how you got into running? Oh, uh, gosh. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm 45 now. I'm, I'm English. I, um, how did I get into running? Yeah, uh, nine years ago. Uh, I was always quite outdoorsy and... Yeah. Um, just before we were recording, I was, I was, we were chatting a bit about, yeah, I've spent a lot of time in Australia, um, mm. um from about, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And actually, yeah, I was brought up outdoorsy, but like a lot of people, maybe when I was in my teens and, and early twenties, I kind of lived in London and, and, you know, was enjoying pubs more than, oh, more yes. than hills. Yeah. Um, and, but then I went, I went traveling and, um, sort of followed some friends to Australia, um, and went via New Zealand. Uh, and South America and it was probably on that it was definitely on that trip that that well I saw sort of proper mountains possibly yeah. for the first time in 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 South America um and yeah just rekindled this um desire to be in I suppose to be in the outdoors um mm. initially as a, as a as a trekker or a tramper as they say in New Zealand yeah. um but also when I got to Australia yeah I, I remember going up the east coast like a lot of tourists do and and say Fraser Island um mm. most people hire a four-wheel drive and and bomb around it and, and me and my partner at the time decided to we decided to hike around it uh instead which was really really satisfying experience actually we had a very different experience to a lot of people yeah. there um a lot quieter and so on um and I continued that and yeah I used to love visiting Tasmania um yeah, beautiful trekking down there and um blue mountains would go to a lot um and i would pop over to new zealand two or three times as well and, and go trekking and mountaineering in the mountains I, so i still wasn't running um but i'd play i'd play yeah athletically i guess i'd play play football at the weekends or soccer as you guys call it um yes. in sydney um but i was really yeah just just long days out um out in nature i suppose and, and now I can see that's very similar to, to the running I do. Yeah, it is, but isn't it? The, yeah, yeah but, it, but at the time it felt very different. I suppose you'd have a big heavy pack and Yeah, uh, but it set so a good on. base, obviously. Yeah, I think both it's both a physical thing and a, and a mental thing. Mm. Um, and then when I got back to Britain, yeah, went via sort of South America again. And, oh, no, Nepal this time. And, yeah, did oh. the Everest Base Camp track. Yeah, big mountains like there, yep. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and... and um, 
yeah, so I had this sort of mountain experience or outdoor experience. And then, and then in 2011, I was feeling just feeling a bit unfit and a bit, maybe a bit midlife crisis-y. Um, I think I was 35 then and nice. I signed up for a local half marathon um, yeah. and just absolutely loved it um, and thought I've got to do more of this. Um, and, and yeah, did that again the next year in my first marathon and then my first ultra marathon. Um, and things have, I suppose, just escalated from there and got, I've got a bit carried away because I sort of enjoyed that so, so much. Um, and, yeah. and so what was your... Um... What was your marathon PB? Uh, or my first, my debut marathon was three seventeen. Nice. Uh, I, was, I ran that dressed as a toilet. Um, <laughs> as you do. I was yes. Um, I was raising money for Water Aid, and um, uh, yeah, they offered a costume, and I thought I had to raise. I didn't think my friends would sponsor me unless I did something a bit wacky. Um, and then my yeah, my PB. Uh, I yeah, I've not loved my you know. Mar yeah. I think like a lot of us when we discover trails and longer distances we sort of forget a bit about the road yes, marathon. My definitely. PB is two, 238. Oh, nice. Um, That's a great time. <clears throat> yeah. I, I mean, I'm not, I, yeah, I'm pleased with it, but it's not going to, no, yeah, I'm no, not going to go it's... far with it sort of thing. Yeah. So the ultra, ultra stuff interests me a lot more. Um, and so what, um, what, what made you get into ultras then? Well, there was a, I just sort of discovered how much I loved running and, mm -hmm. and I, I'm also a, a, an outdoor freelance outdoor journalist and I was pestering this magazine editor to, to carry more stories uh, from me, especially about my new love of running. Um, <laughs> you know what people are like when they sort of discover running and they, oh, yeah. they you turn into a sort of an evangelist and you want to tell everyone how amazing running is. It's kind of, um, I can see now, now how it's a little bit annoying, but, but you know, at the time that was. Um, um, but it's running, well, how pestering. could that be annoying? Yes, exactly. Yes. It changes your life. It's amazing. That's right. You must go running, everyone. Exactly. Um, and then they get injured and then you feel bad. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, this magazine editor said, oh, yeah, we'll take a running story from you. But but not that, not about your marathon. We're going to send you on an ultra marathon. Yeah. And uh, I had a vague idea what it was. Um, in fact, if I remember back, um, it was actually from New Zealand and the Kepler Challenge. Oh, that, uh, so yep. I hiked the Kepler. Yeah, yeah I, I hiked, one. done the Kepler hike in, I think, yep. three days or however many days people normally do it. And, that was, you know, it was an incredible experience. Um, but I remember at the end, someone telling me, a local, I think, saying, oh, people run that in one day. And I was like, what? <laughs> now, I still didn't know the, the concept, you know, what an yeah. ultramarathon was. But I remember the idea in my head that some people, you know, from New Zealand, that some people would run all of that in, in one go. Um, and yeah, so I think I would have gravitated that way and, and picked an ultra marathon at some point. I just didn't know what the races were, but this magazine yeah. sent me to do one. Um, it was one up here called The Wall, which was 69 miles over, over two Ooh. days. Um, and yeah, I just, even more than my first marathon, I just loved the experience. It was yeah. the, the scenery, the camaraderie with people yes. as well, and, and, and the aid stations as well, which were um, yeah pretty special so I just straight away thought I've got to do more of this this is this is for me I suppose yeah. and, and um, yeah went from there that's awesome so um no the reason we're chatting is you recently well I suppose re fairly recently ran an FKT on the Pennine Way and you broke the record that um John Kelly had set just shortly before but before we get sort of more into it can you describe the Pennine Way to my listeners who may not know anything about it Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I've got a very, quite a reasonably long and personal relationship with the Pennine Way. Um, it's, it's, it's our oldest national trail. And I suppose they're a bit like the Great Walks in New Zealand, where they're sort of 
government funded trails, yeah. the kind of Premier League, our best trails. Um, <laughs> so they're, they're better signposted and, and, and so on and, and well, well mapped. Um, it's 268 miles officially um, from sort of the Peak District in the middle of England, for those who know the country, and then it finishes at the border with Scotland. Yeah. right at the middle of the country um there's a lot of history attached to it, it it's, it's over 50 years old it's um it's also related to the the mass trespass which was a really important moment of civil disobedience here where well it, it, before then caught you know sort of common folk you know your average person couldn't actually go hiking in a lot of these moorlands and a lot of these upland areas because they're owned by by sort of a rich elite who would save it for hunting yeah, basically yes. um and, and obviously that, you know, rightly, that, that puts people's noses out and doesn't seem fair. Um, uh, and, and so people began to do this, this mass trespass movement to protest against it. People were arrested and put in prison. But oh, that wow. moment um, led to, yeah, the, the laws changing very slowly. And we still can't go on 92% of, of Britain is privately owned, which, which stunned oh, me when I, when I knew that. 92%? Yeah, that's an, yeah, yeah, it's incredible, wow. isn't it? But, but that at least opened up a bit more and, and at the same time, one of the pioneers there, uh, Tom Stevenson, had this idea based a bit on the Appalachian Trail in America. Obviously, it's yep. a lot shorter uh, of opening up a big national trail up, up, up the Pennines. Um, so so we had this traditional trail. It's kind of the, the original one for us. Um, it's not really mountains. It's more kind of, I suppose, hills, um, yep. upland areas, but but it's quite plateaui. So if the weather comes in, you don't really go up and down, you don't really escape it, you're, you're stuck yeah. on these plateaus. Um, but also- The so wind would be a lucky. factor then too, wouldn't it? Yes, and, and, and to be honest, there's, there's not many trees up there, but yeah. it's, it's not our recent ancestors, it, it's sort of you know hundreds of years back, but nearly all the trees have been taken. Um, um, so there's almost no protection here with the wind when the, when the weather comes in, so it's, it can be quite exciting. Um, but I was very lucky when I got back to Britain from Australia, um, I'd been here, back here a year or two and I was invited to write a new guidebook for it. So I, ah. so I hiked it. Um, I mean, I think I would have anywhere. I'd hiked the coast to coast trail here, which is a popular one. Um, but yeah, I, 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 but that meant I got really absorbed in it, you know, read, bought and read every book I could about it, got really quite, well, I suppose quite obsessed with it um, and, and hiked it. Um, but even then I wasn't a runner. Um, yeah. So this, yeah, this is about nine years ago, I think. Um, and then over time, well, there's a race up here. I don't know if you guys have heard of the Spine Race. Yes. Um, and I got really, I've been running for a couple of years and, and ultra running just for one year, really, when, when this race had recently started up and just really captured my imagination because it was just so, so ridiculous, you know, to do that in winter yeah. um, is, is crazy. For those who don't know the Spine Race, yeah, it goes along the Pennine Way in winter it's non it's it's a single stage race so totally non-stop the clock is always ticking and just these stories coming out of it of, of frozen water bottles and sleep deprivation um, and you thought wow that sounds foot. awesome <laughs> yes i did um <laughs> i thought this is for me so i did that i did that twice twice in a row um i i, I sometimes say yeah it's a, it's a race for people who hate themselves um <laughs> so as, as soon as i'd done it once i was desperate to do it again um and yeah, so I, I, I guess, but I still didn't, I knew the record, Mike Hartley had this record that, that ended up standing for 31 years of running it in, in two days and 17 hours um, in the summer. Um, yeah. I still didn't think myself an athlete capable of doing that, but um, I suppose last year things 
Yeah. Well, it, I had been thinking about it before last year and it was sort of, it was always in my to-do tray um, and I would put it off because it was pretty intimidating. Not, not so much the distance, obviously that distance will, will get a bit hurty and, yeah. and be difficult, but, but it was Hurties more the quality of the record. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, that, you know, Mike Hartley, the athlete was, um, you know, he was fourth in the 100k European Championships, for example. Okay. I'm pretty sure he had a 40 mile PB of around four hours. Oh wow! Um, I know there aren't many 40 mile races, but but you know that's that's superb. You know, yeah, that's he's a, you know a genuinely yeah. good athlete, not just some sort of <clears throat> dogged old warhorse. Um, so I was quite intimidated by it. But but I suppose what happened is two things: lockdown. We had a big mm. lockdown here last year, so well, pretty much all races or 98 percent of races were cancelled, and. Yeah. Um, and my friend John Kelly, who's an American who's living here, um, he decided, you know, he was he was a lot braver than me. And he said, I'm going to have a go. Um, <laughs> and both those factors kind of partly shaming me and partly there was nothing else, no other events to do, made me think, right, this time I finally had a crack as well. Yeah. And, and it's good that you did. Now, you actually ran in a different direction to John, though, didn't you? Yes. Um, but so, so doesn't that mean the- different FKTs? Well, kind of. Uh, that's, I guess that's up to people. Um, I mean, yeah, if, if you could say that. I mean, we were both trying to set our best, the best, the fastest yeah. time on it, and he just, he just chose the wrong direction. Um, <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> um, um, I d- yeah, I don't mind if people record it that way, and, and there is probably... Yeah, I was just wondering, because I know certainly on the, on the Appalachian Trail, I believe they have different FKT standards for different directions, I think. On some yeah, trails, I, I know they do, but maybe maybe it just doesn't count here. Yeah, I mean, um, what I noticed, there were two big reasons for me to go. I went sort of north to south. And actually, the yeah. traditional way to go north, that's sort of how it was designed. Oh, okay. um, signpost is bettering, signposting is better and so on. Yeah. Um, but I noticed, A, the previous record holder went south. And B, I'd been north three times. I'd trekked it and then two spine races had gone north. And I just wanted, I didn't want to get too bored of it. So I wanted yeah. to go south partly for fresh, fresh, you know, keeping it fresh. And, and, and then I spoke to the previous record holder to sort of ask him why as well. Um, and he had two good reasons. One is that kind of emotional thing of running home, yeah. um, you know, um, and also there is a right to the Northern point it is kind of one of is the most remote bit. And you go for somewhere between sort of five to seven hours without getting any road support in these Cheviot oh, okay. Hills. Um, yeah. And to me, it made sense to do that earlier when you yeah. don't need that road support. And, and it's a lot yeah. more hilly up there as well. So you get a lot of the vert out of the way. So to me, it made, well, probably three reasons almost to go south. Um, yeah. So to me, I was always going to go south. Um, John, I think he'd done the spine race and won, won the spine race earlier that year. So I think it yeah. made sense to him to go with his familiar di- direction. Yeah. Um, now, I'm pretty sure we'll see... Um, you know, I think he's going to go for it again this year and he's probably going to go south. So we'll see, ah, we'll see oh, if that is the crucial. Yeah, we'll yeah. see if that's the crucial the crucial difference or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and would you sir, sir, be uh, out there supporting him doing that at all? Yeah, if it, if it, if it's if it sort of fits in with things, I'd, I'd yeah. happily do. So that would be that would be fun. Um, yeah. I did. Um, yeah, we're still friends, although I sort of took a record off him after only eight days, which does feel mean. And I it am, does, but I am sorry. It does. It's all, all <laughs> okay. fair. I mean, he knew all along. It wasn't like, yeah. I, I think to the out, outside world, you know, we got, you know, a surprising amount of media coverage from it. 
Um, mm. And I think to the outside world, it looked like, you know, some guy sets record and his mate turns around eight days later and goes, oh, I'll have a go at that. But when really <laughs> we'd, we'd been both very open with each other and chatting about it for, yeah. for months. Um, yeah, well, um, I watched the um, the Vimeo video of it and, and you could see that. You could see it was okay. friendly. <laughs> um, I went on, uh, we, we actually went on BBC Breakfast Television a day or two afterwards and, um, yeah, the presenter was uh, making me out to be the, the baddie. Oh, uh, no. which was Which was, that was all right. It was fun. It was all good fun. Um, yeah. But, yeah, but it is hard because it's such a big effort. It's not like a Strava segment where your, <laughs> your neighbour goes and takes it the next day, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would happily go and support him again. Um, I've already supported him on his, uh, since then, on, on his Grand Round 2. Yes. And I right. went back out and supported um, Sabrina Verge, broke the women's record on it later that summer. So I went oh, okay. and supported her as well. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I love that side of stuff. And, and that's... Um, and I, yeah. you know, I got a lot of support on my yeah. run. Um, over 20 people sort of came out and ran with me, which I wasn't used to. I haven't done that before. Um, but yeah, that, that gives me, if I can't necessarily pay everyone back, I can at least kind of pay the karma back. You know, if I go and support yes. other people, I think that's yeah. only, only right that I should be looking to do that over a few years. Um, and so, and yeah. so you say you had 20 people and you don't normally do that because I know you've done a few other FKTs. So... <clears throat> Why do you feel you needed more support this time? And, and who did you have? Like, was it, were it all of those 20 people your friends or just locals helping? Yeah, um, I just, yeah, I think this is my, uh, I think that's the seventh record I broke, although I haven't, yeah, I don't, don't still hold all of them. Some of them yeah. have been broken. Um, and some, I'm trying to think, I've done all styles. I've done, uns, you know, unsupported, self-supported, yeah. Um, that was the first one I did like fully supported where you have paces with you kind oh, okay. of all the time. Um, and that was simply because the record was so good. Um, yeah. John did it in that way. And the previous holder, Mike Hartley did it in that way, you know, 31 years ago, 32 now. Um, yeah. So I thought my only chance of matching them was to do the same style. And obviously if someone's the, the idea up here, I don't know if you have a similar culture there or not, but, but like the idea is, I guess they will carry a bit of your food and drink and any spare yeah. kit. And maybe and navigate for you as well. In I mean, I know the route well enough, but but someone goes a bit ahead of you and does the you know opens the gate, does the yeah, and there okay. are over two hundred and fifty gates. Um, oh my gosh! So actually, that, that yeah, I mean that could be quite <laughs> That's huge. That could be significant. Yeah. Yes. I calculated if it was ten seconds per gate, it was going to be I think forty-seven minutes. And that's a minimum. Don't worry if you've got cold fingers or it's raining or it's you know you're tired. Yes. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, so that so that help could be really significant and and mm. and also I mean morale as well people to Definitely. talk to people to give you a kick up the backside um, and then it was the first time I'd done that um, so I did I guess I just started emailing um, I suppose friends but runner friends but but primarily people who had done the spine race to start ah, with because I so knew they, they knew the route yeah. yeah they'd know the route and then they would they'd be tough you know they'd be <laughs> tough strong runners. Yeah. Um, and and then but then also a few other runners um, who were just really who were just really good like I don't know how well people like Nikki Spinks and, and yeah. Paul Tierney are known down there but um, yeah. I mean you're racing your caliber of your pedigree as a runner doesn't necessarily make mean mean you're going to be a good support runner of course because it's such yes, a different role yeah. but there was also the element to me if I'm honest psychologically that if I had really good runners around me I, I thought I would I'd want to. I thought it would up my game, you know, and it wouldn't, mm. I wouldn't be so inclined to slack off. Um, so yeah. And, and people would luckily this lockdown meant people weren't really racing. They, in so a way, they had lots of free time. Lot to do. 
Yes, yes. <laughs> so almost everyone <laughs> I asked was able to help. And, and then awesome. sometimes it's they ask a friend. Um, do you have the same sort of culture of that down there of sort of pacing? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Not that many FKTs get done here. So I don't know okay. um, if to me supported wouldn't. Yeah, I think so. But um, yeah, not a lot of FKTs are being done here, to be honest. So yeah, there's okay. not so much of that. But I mean, we have paces in race, but they're not allowed to carry your, your kit or your food. But yeah. um, in an FKT, I, I, I'm sure they would too. A lot of it comes from uh, the Bob Graham round. Um, That's right. yeah. And still the rules on that mean you, ha you actually have to have someone with you on each summit mm. to verify you went to the summit. Um, and that culture of someone sort of yeah running with you carrying your kit maybe navigating comes from comes from there really that's um, why i was so wondering if running. it was um locals because often with the bob graham round it's it's locals who know the best path and that sort of thing isn't it yes absolutely and um if i could do a, a clunky a horribly clunky book plug I'm, I'm just hopefully finishing off i'm doing a book about all this um oh, called yep. in it in it for the long run which is out in may um and I interviewed, yeah, I was really fascinated by this kind of supporter culture that we have here and, and mm. interviewed a few people about it. Um, and it was, yeah, some people get really, with the Bob Graham round especially, some people get, you know, I interviewed a, a girl called Tori who her, her whole thing is like leg four of the Bob oh. Graham round is split into kind of five legs yeah. um, divided by the road support option, choices, yeah. options between the legs. And road four is her leg and she's done it um, well, in training and stuff, she's no idea how many times she's done it, but she's supported at least sort of 10 times on that in a couple wow. of years. Um, and so she knows that one leg intimately. And, yep. and, and anyone, a friend of a friend of a friend, if someone's doing a Bob Graham, they'll know, oh, she's the leg four lady, you know, phone <laughs> her up. Could you do leg four on this, on this yeah. time? Um, and she says she loves leg four. Um, and so <laughs> locals get really, you know, it's, it's fascinating. They get, they get really, you know, it's a real project of, no, I'm, yeah. I'm the leg two person. You know, a sense oh, of ownership of it. Yeah. 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 yeah it's wonderful. And, and there is some navigational tricks and stuff and, and yeah. so on. Um, uh, and, and in maybe different weather, you go a slightly different route and things yeah. like that. So there's a real art to it. Um, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been fascinated by that, that culture too. I mean, we do have the culture of helping in Australia, but probably not to that degree. So, so that sounds like it'd be a very interesting book. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I got, even more interested perhaps in, in the people, the road crew people, the, the people who are willing to turn up and help, um, you know, 10 or 20 times a year. Um, and they're, mm. they're, they're, they're in a vehicle at the road crossings and they're not even getting a run. So <laughs> turning up to run with someone is, you know, it, yeah, it could be inconvenient, but it, yeah, yeah, you're getting a run in, usually somewhere pretty, you know, yeah. uh, you get to chomp, chomp on their snacks if, if, they haven't, if they're not <laughs> noticing. Um, but, the, but there are people, some amazing people around who, and, and obviously I was, a, a lucky recipient of, of you know, the, this kind of goodwill on my Pen on Way run. Um, I actually had three people, I, I didn't really mean to have that many, but three people crew me sort of mostly permanently. And then even two other people chipped in at different points as well. So I had five people ended up helping oh, wow. with crewing me. And so they weren't even running and, and they'd be, you yeah. know, they're, they're meant to meet me at 3 a.m. in some sort of remote village, you know, and have a cup of tea ready and all my food ready. <laughs> and, and I'll probably just grunt at them and, and, That's and right, maybe burp. Yeah. And, and then off I go and probably, you know, grum, probably grumble that, the, you know, something's cold when I'm two hours later than I said I would be. Um, and so there's a big culture of this as well. And, and one of the guys I interviewed, uh, Jess, even described, you know, they bought a camper van to sort of do this oh, stuff wow. well. That's and commitment. even described himself. Yeah. And he sort of jokingly said, oh, we were semi-professional at it for a while there. Um, and yeah, he would do. Yeah, he said he's calm now, down now. He only does about 10 supports a year. Um, <laughs> 
but if you think a lot less goes on in the winter, I mean, that is at least, you know, one a month uh, for, yeah. for the, for the, in in the, the summer. Weather. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's an incredible, incredible atmosphere, incredible people, yeah. I suppose. That's fantastic. So um, 268 miles, how do you prepare for such a challenge? Yeah, good question. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's one of those things where you can't, you know, you can't train. Well, I pr probably a lot of your listeners would know, like if you're training for a marathon, yeah, you run up to maybe about 20, 22 miles. You could yeah. run that distance in training if you want. Um, most coaches don't necessarily recommend you run all that distance. But yeah, when you're going to run 260 miles, you, you don't run. Um, no, yeah, you don't. This is, uh, yeah, you don't go and do that in a training run. Uh, this is a boring technicality, but the actual run I did was 261 miles, but that's because the official route has a couple of detours, but it's, it's a boring. Oh, okay, a boring. okay, yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, you've got to rely more probably on, on sort of several years of, of training and, and yes. I guess the reassurance that that gives you. Um, but I actually, for once, I, I looked, I actually thought, well, John, you know, I'm going to be as fit as I can be, but that probably won't, on a run this long, your actual fitness is important, but not, I, I, I don't want to put a percentage on it, but mm. like the psychology, the logistics, mm. getting the right team around you, those things seemed really important as well. Um, mm. So I, I worked worked hard on, I even, I even spoke with a sports psychologist for the first time. Um, mm. We had three, three sort of consultations. Um, and I just thought that's, you know, so many people say ultra running is like 50% in the head. And yet how many of us actually sort of work on, you know, deliberately work on improving, you know, training our minds. Um, yeah. And I'm a coach as well. So I thought this, you know, this, I could learn things from her and, and pass yeah. them on to my coaching clients. So that was really intriguing. Um, um, and I think, I think it did help. Um, and then yeah, logistics, yeah. Creating, I suppose, the right schedule that's going to keep you, well, keep everyone, organized but also I suppose motivated and me and John had quite different approaches um there he had a lot more ambitious schedule he tried to sort of get several hours up early yes. on you know to get on that pace whereas I had a lot more relaxed approach which I hoped for me anyway would keep me just in a happier happier sort of state of mind and less stressed um mm. and to me that was that was important I just wanted to um I suppose enjoy it as much as possible I thought the more I'm enjoying it the better things will turn out um and yeah logistics you know I I you know got hold of a I suppose a van and a lot of you know a lot of the food I made things a little bit more complicated by my by I was trying to make it as low carbon as possible so yeah. I yeah no animal products um and then no plastic waste um which made the food um the no animal Tricky. products was easy well yeah. the, the Yes, but the plastic is is difficult. That's that's and so, so much of our health food. Yeah, buying mm. crisps, buying chocolate bars. Yeah. Um, I wasn't allowed to. You know, I, those are my own rules. But I sort of yeah. said, let's see if I could do it without. And I must admit, I'd done an FKT earlier in the year where I'd, but it was only like a twenty four hour one where I'd, where that was I'd done that. But but this was, yeah, two and a half days. So it was about you know a lot of research into what could I buy with it without you know without any plastic waste. Um, which was yeah in, intriguing seeing if we could which you know and I, I just about could um but that that took a lot of I suppose research and, and trial yeah. and error um, so yeah a lot of preparation went into it and in fact I cancelled I mentioned before I was yeah I suppose was a journalist um I cancelled my last bit of regular journalism because I just needed more time to prepare for this um yeah. so I put everything into it that I could really it felt like a you know a, a lifetime sort of effort if I'm honest um 
I put yeah everything everything in in that I could and, and thankfully it paid off. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, well, it, it did, didn't it? And so within your within your training, um, were you still doing things like speed work or, or hill work or and that sort of stuff within your program, or were you just trying to run distances? Yes. Um, yeah, I'm very lucky at the moment. I'm coached by um, David Roach uh, oh, in yeah. America. Um, yeah. So he's yeah a bit of a super coach over there. Um, I was self coached for two years, and and I had some of my some of my best results when I was self coached. But I just felt I was um, um, plateauing a bit, or or I just felt some fresh input seemed yeah. seemed smart. So yeah. I've I've been coached by him for um, well over a year, um, and he's definitely yeah he he um, he's definitely all about trying to keep your top end speed as close to yeah. your 10k pace as possible. To be honest, so. And, and not he's not so much about the big miles, which is probably what I was doing. I was probably doing too many big, long miles in lumpy places, um, yeah. you know, stuff. Um, and neglecting, I suppose, neglecting speed, neglecting running economy. Because um, yeah. that's a painful uh, bit. Yes, speed. yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd much rather, probably you're the same, but I'd much rather run for four or six yeah, yeah. hours somewhere lumpy than, than an hour of, exactly. of, oh, you know, tempo or something. It's horrible. But yeah. he, you know, he, he got me doing a lot more of that stuff. Um, so for him, it was all about, yeah, you're targeting your running economy and mm. um, lots of strides, uh, lots of uphill strides, you know, only one interval session a week, but, but you know, a, a real quality session. And you sort of really prioritize that as the, the most important run of the week. Um, yeah. um, but also he's just this guy who's he's just so full of optimism and, and encouragement. And, um, and that helps too, actually, just someone saying Definitely. you're doing well all the time, being nice yeah. to you, just that really obvious thing. Um, yeah. And yeah, he, he, I think he, yeah, he, he was a, a great help to me. I think he, he contributed, but the, the tricky thing was he was, he was coaching John as well. So <laughs> I kind of knew what John's training would be like, yes. um, you know, and I kind of, so although I felt, I felt really good, um, but I thought, well, John's going to feel really good as well. So <laughs> I, I suppose that is what made me think, oh, I did a lot more strength work than normal as well, actually. Oh, um, excellent. I'm lucky up here. There's a company called strength for endurance. So they're, they're sort of, like a lot of runners, I never really wanted to go into a gym. Um, See, I love the gym. Yeah. Oh, do you? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I've turned. I now yeah. I enjoy or enjoy that stuff. I don't physically. We still can't go to gyms at the moment. Oh, but okay. um, a lot of his learning, a lot of their learning is is online, so I can do remote classes. Yeah. Um, which has happened a lot here. A lot of fitness stuff has gone online yeah. for obvious reasons. Um, but I did a lot more with him. I've been working again for over a year with him, um, Chris. Chris at Strength for Endurance. But I was doing, yeah, even sometimes probably even three hours a week, which is probably too yeah. much for, for most people most of the time. But it was almost because I had more time because of lockdown. Yeah, that's but, right. Um, I did a lot more strength. And also, I mean, I've always tried to work on technique a lot. I think that's really underrated. Uh, mm. I work with a guy called Shane, Shane Benzie up here, who's a, a technique guru, really. He's just got a book out called The, the Lost Art of Running, which oh. I really recommend to people. Um, he's I'm spent just writing last- that down now. Okay, good. I can send you a link if you like. Yeah, but that'd be good. I'd really recommend him to people. He's working with all the top ultra runners in Britain. He's worked with, mm. um, and some of the top foreign runners as well. Um, and he's even been out. I don't think he's coached Kipchoge, but he's been out to analyze Kipchoge um, mm. to, to sort of get that data and, and, and record him running. He'll always video people, and then and then yeah. you can watch it back in slow motion, really see what your feet are doing. Yes. For example, my feet were landing differently. Even after many oh. years, thinking I, you know, I'm a running coach, thinking I was a good runner, my feet yeah. were doing something slightly differently. Um, um, he's got 
yeah, years of experience. Now he's been around the world recording, recording people, how they move, how they run. And I've worked yeah. with him for eight or nine years, actually on and off. And there's always something he, he spots with me that I can improve on. Um, and I think that really does come into it, you know, as mm. you fatigue and your form starts to it's deteriorate, um, yeah. it can make a big difference. Um, so I've worked with him for a long time. Um, and I think, I think that is a key thing. I think, yeah, one of his lines is that, you know, runners are happy to spend 150 pounds on a pair of shoes, but they won't spend that on necessarily, you know, learning how to run properly. And yes, you think what's the most important thing there. Right. Um, so I do think that's quite underrated. No, no, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Wow, so it looks like you were really ticking all the boxes there. Well, I did, yeah, I prepared more thoroughly than, um, well, I've said, said, you know, I prepared more thoroughly than I did for, for my wedding. Um, <laughs> but I must say, uh, my wedding, I actually got married in Byron Bay Ah, oh. um, but and actually we didn't invite anyone. So when I say I was going to say Byron Bay prepared, wedding would be a bit different. Yes, no, it's lovely, but we we didn't. We had this complicated thing where you know, do we try and invite people down from the northern hemisphere? Yeah. Is it fair to invite people from the southern hemisphere if we're not inviting them? And we just thought this is such a headache. Why don't we just, just not invite, invite anyone? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 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 use that money and go travelling with it. And that's when oh, we went to yeah, much went better. To <laughs> yeah. So so when I say I prepared more thoroughly than my wedding. No, there wasn't actually loads of preparation for my wedding um so it's a bit misleading but yeah i i thought if i've got any chance this is a I, to my mind anyway this is one of the you know historic records in britain mm. um if i've got any chance of going for it of you know of getting it then you know i've got to do everything i can um mm. so i did you know i i i, I did you know sort of you know the cliche leave no stone unturned i i yep. I remember the night before going to bed and I felt surprisingly calm because I thought I can't think of anything else I could have done. Um, normally with these yeah. things, there's always a like, a, oh, I couldn't find my favourite, you know, bar or a, I don't know, should I have done one more session yeah. like this? Or, you know, there's yeah. always a nagging doubt. And I, and I actually felt like I can't think of what I could have done. I even sort of got up there a day early and, and you know, relaxed with my crew for a day just so I had this extra time. Um, yeah, it was a very, yeah, for me anyway. And, it, and it's unusual to, to feel calm like that. So that's um they always say i'll oh, trust your training but clearly you you really did so that's good yes no um yeah i felt quite yeah I, i've got as much much anxiety and doubt as anyone um yes. when i'm i've done utmb four times and when i'm on the start line i mean yeah i'm full of full you of still nerves get nervous yeah yeah absolutely and i still get um but it, usually i try and try and spin it to nervous excitement like i'm excited yes. to be here i want to do yeah. this thing um, I've been looking forward to it for ages. Not, oh my God, what am I doing? Thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but then I, I still get the negative voices um, after mm. it's nearly always what an hour or two in um, when that first kind of wave of excitement wears off. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely get these sort of negative voices of, of you haven't trained well enough. You uh, have you gone out too fast? Have you gone out too slow? Yeah. Are you wearing the right kit? You know, I, still, I get those every single time. Um, but I think over time you, you, you listen to them less and, and, and yeah. you're able to tell them to be quiet, I suppose, um, over time. Yeah, yeah. So when you say um, David got you sort of on lower mileage, what, what mileage were you doing compared to what you used to do? Um, yeah, so I think yeah, I was on training average, on my own. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's definitely a kind of, a lot of my training with him now is in the kind of 60 to 70 miles a month, a week, a week. Um, yeah. Whereas before that, um, yeah, I was much more in the kind of 80, 90 yeah. miles a week, much more commonly. Um, yeah. And yeah, we still have some big weeks. 
Mm. Like I, I did get up, I did do a hundred mile week beforehand, but I think that was almost by accident. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but, but there just aren't so many of those. Um, yes. we'll, we'll probably, so peak, you were probably you know, carrying in... a lot less fatigue then as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'd say so. So he, he talks about like acute, acute fatigue rather than chronic fatigue. And, mm. and if we just do lots and lots of big weeks and months, after a while, it's kind of chronic fatigue, a bit a buildup of fatigue that's kind of lingering, whereas he mm. goes for an acute kind of overload. Um, you, so we did do like maybe four big weeks. I can't remember exactly. I mean, it's all on, it's all on my Strava, but yeah. maybe four, four big weeks, three or four big weeks, you know, kind of um, in the six weeks beforehand. Um, yeah, and I was doing 80, 90, 100, but yeah. not loads of them, only a, two or three. Um, yeah. But before that, it was mostly in the 60, 70 region. And yeah. for me anyway, and I am 45 now, that's got to be considered, um, you know, that's a decent amount of mileage that I can still do some quality workouts or, yeah. or a quality workout each week and not be too fatigued by it. And he, yeah, he, he thinks, um, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he thinks a lot of ultra runners just, you know, end up just doing lots doing of slow miles. miles. Mile yeah. Yeah. And, and there are periods, you know, if you're base building or something, that that's, that's a good idea for, you mm. know, relatively but also, you know, bad technique and stuff comes into it. And, and mm. he thinks we just end up going around slowly and we get good at being slow, I suppose. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, if you practice, if that's what you're doing, then that's what your body's used to, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's all about, I think, efficient, efficiency is a good word. Um, yeah. We're trying to get more efficient in a physiological way, but also probably technique wise. Um, yeah. yeah. So to me, um, yeah, I think I think that has helped me. I do feel more more. Yeah, I've got more of a spring in my spring in my stride. Um, yeah, yeah. Excellent. I think that that. Yeah. So you touched on nutrition, um, talking about you know trying to reduce your environmental impact by not using things in plastic wrappers. So what did you use? And you know, if you wanted things like chocolatey stuff or crisps or whatever, did you make any of your own food, or what did you end up using? Um, yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm quite lucky. I mean, my wife, my wife did my, make me some vegan vegan brownies. Um, nice. But obviously, yeah, you, you do, as you guys all know, like, yeah, you go off, mm. you go off stuff over time, oh, yeah. don't you? Especially the sweeter stuff. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I have got another friend, I'm quite lucky, who's, who is a sort of semi-professional, I, I don't know how he would, he, his company called Deli, Delushus. Um, Delushus. And they, he, makes, he makes healthy, yeah, kind of healthy, healthy snacks. Um, he made me a load of flapjacks, which is very kind of him. Um, but then I was looking at other companies, I suppose, that, that have this increasingly companies now. Um, I'm sponsored now by a company called Outdoor, Pro Outdoor Provisions, who make bars, tasty vegan bars, but they're in compostable wrappers. So there's oh, no plastic like waste that. there. Mm. So increasingly companies are doing that. And it is it is really expensive for them because not only, you know, are the new materials sometimes more expensive, but the stuff doesn't last as long. The whole thing course, about plastic is, yes. is obviously trying to preserve it. So, so it makes the margin, you know, their profit margin, potential profit yes. margin, you know, a lot smaller. So I've spoken to a few companies now and, and seeing why they won't, for example, like especially gels, you know, at the moment, um, I'm quite lucky I've been sent some items recently. I mean, things are going that way, um, but I can see why companies so far don't necessarily do that because, yeah, the, the stuff doesn't last as long. Yeah. Um, but yeah, outdoor provisions. There were some other companies up here. Thirty three fuel. Ah oh, yes, I know them. Um, yeah. Oh good. Yeah, I've been using them yep. for a few years. Um, I'm trying to remember the um, Lucho. Oh, I forget their name. It's terrible. But yeah, I got these Colombian jellies that are made in like a a wrapper. Uh, Lucho Delitos, I think they're called. Mm. Um, 
Wow, all well, these things I haven't jellies. heard of. <laughs> yeah, you have I mean, to send me links. links afterwards. Yes, yes I will. Um, so I suppose I bought what I could online, researching things and plastic. Mm. Found some crisps by a company. They don't sponsor me or anything, but they're called Two Farmers, and they do yeah compostable crisp oh, wrappers. Awesome. Um, and that took some research. They were hard to get hold of. Um, but, you know, companies are starting to do this stuff. So that's really, really admirable. I no, really no want wonder to you had to give up some are... of the journalist work with all this research you were doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. There was a bit of trial and error. And sometimes you'd buy stuff online thinking it was plastic free mm. and it would arrive and it, it wouldn't all. And I don't know what it's like down there, but some companies will say, oh, recyclable. But we have different levels of symbols here. Yes, and yeah, sometimes that's right. it's recyclable. It's not, it's not really. Yeah. Or, or yeah. sometimes you've got to send it off somewhere which is maybe okay for now but in the long term i was trying to support yeah. companies that would were, were brave enough to take the next step and be actually um, really sustainable yeah yes yes and then obviously i mean luckily a lot of fruit you can buy without plastic um mm. and then um bread you know i had a lot of sandwiches sandwiches ready and and actually one of the food when i was getting to that point where i didn't really want to eat much or or, or, or the stuff i brought uh, a friend actually gave me a and this does sound a bit posh, but hummus, hummus and avocado sandwich. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and actually they went round, down really well. So yeah. I was having a lot of them. Um, I did work with a sports nutritionist, nutritionist, Rini McGregor, and she had advised me, for example, to, yeah, look, look to white bread rather than brown, yes. brown bread for now. Yeah. Uh, there's a bit less fiber, fiber and it just yeah. goes down more quickly, more easily. Um, so little, little tricks like that and not, not forgetting protein, um, mm. So what did you use for protein? Nuts? It and... was the 33. Yeah. Um, well, I guess there's a bit in the, hum the hummus, but yeah, 33 yes. fuel. I would try and have protein shakes, but I must admit, yeah, I wasn't, I didn't probably have as much as I should have. Um, what else? Let me think. Yeah, I had, yeah, lots of cups of cups of tea. Um, but yeah, of my course. crew were very, <laughs> of course. Um, my tea were very, my crew were very diligent in, in preparing things for me. And if they could buy something locally, like, you know, they buy me some chips sometimes um oh hot chips yes yeah, yeah nice um, yep. so, so um yeah yeah, yeah so that oh that fun. sounds like you had it all pretty sorted out then <clears throat> did you get any gastric distress or anything like that no i i seem well i, I don't know if it's luck or not but i i seem i don't i don't seem to suffer that too much oh um, you are lucky yeah must be I all the research it, that you do <laughs> make sure <laughs> And I, I do sometimes wonder if it's some, something to do with the hill walking background where I'm just used mm. to, you know, shoving a pie yeah. in and carrying on. Um, also, I suppose a big difference you have down there is often often it's warm, isn't it? And, and yeah. you know, the temperature for my run was perfect. It was maybe between 10 and 20 degrees in the day. Oh, no, between 10 yeah. and 15 centigrade yeah. during the day. So not, you know, heat, heat does obviously add yes. a load of stress to the body and the body has to work extra hard to cool, cool you down. Yeah. And often it neglects the tummy when it does that. Whereas I didn't really have that. I had a nice cool, cool temperatures. Um, but what, I, what happens to me is it does to a lot of people, you just get pal palate fatigue and mm. you just go off eating. And my yeah. mouth was getting sore. I remember I'd brought like some cherry tomatoes that I thought, and, and these salty crisps, I'd spent so much time researching. Um, I just didn't want them. Uh, oh, no. I hurt my mouth. Yeah. Um, but that was when, you know, soups. Yes. Uh, when that starts to happen, you look at savory things and also liquid calories to me is mm. a big one. So yeah, some soups, um, maybe some fruit juices, perhaps. But things like uh, I forget if you have that down there actually, but rice pudding, yes, um, or things like it's that. It's not as popular here. Food. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean I've never. Again, it's something I don't normally eat, 
but when yeah. I'm in when I'm doing a long running challenge, it, it goes down well. Yes. I guess it's the sloppy foods where you don't have to yeah. crunch it or digest it too much. Um, you know, something sloppy that needs a spoon. That's the yeah. stuff that you you sort of are going to start using, and that's what's going to work. And these these hummus and avocado sandwiches, which was like a happy accident, really. Someone gave me one of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's all part of the all part of the fun, the, the joy of it, isn't it, of, of working yeah. out what you can eat and, and and stuffing your face. Yes, yeah, it's an exercise in eating, really. Um, did you get any sleep, and and how do you generally deal with sleep deprivation? Yeah, I um, I was quite intimidated by the guy who had the record for thirty-one years, Mike Hartley. He he didn't sleep at all, so it's ah. like it's two and a half days off him. It was two days, seventeen hours. He didn't sleep, so mm. in my mind if I was going to match him, I probably wasn't going to sleep either. And so I didn't, I created a schedule that didn't have any sleep stops, but I was very, you know, very open-minded that I may well need some power naps. Um, And they've been really effective for me in the past, you know, just 10 to 20 minutes. And you can really, you know, really sort of reboot yourself for a few hours on on doing some of them. Um, But what happened, unfortunately, is, yeah, I felt the urge for power nap much sooner than I than I thought, which is basically the next morning after about 20, 20 sort of six, 27 hours. Um, and that frustrated me. Um, really, I think it was a, you know, a calorie deficit. Okay. Obviously you're going to get into a calorie deficit, but I, mm. I just, I can pinpoint it now back to a time where I should have really just paused a bit longer and got some proper yeah. food into me. But I was so obsessed with efficiency and, and continuing to make progress that, that I didn't. Um, yeah. And that was, yeah, leads to a, a feeling of, of emptiness and tiredness. Um, so I did, I ended up having three power naps. Um, okay. One of them failed. The first one was about 10 minutes. The third one I did, I did go down for, I think I lay down for 45 minutes, that third oh, wow. one. Um, so I had probably 40 minutes, around 40 minutes, 40 to 45 minutes overall. Um, John, the guy who went just before me, I mean, he had a lot more tummy problems than me, yes, um, really, you know, fairly serious ones, even probably, yeah. um, probably some like intestinal or uh, what's the word, but some, some bleeding as well, actually. Yeah. So quite, quite, quite bad. Um, he ended up having over two hours of, of power naps or lying down time mm. because obviously he had a big problem he was trying to solve. Um, so we both slept. Yeah. More than, more than the previous guy. Um, but yeah. And I think with anything like this, it's, it's, anything this long it's not going to go totally smoothly even if you've got a plan i mean the phrase yeah you everyone's got a plan till you get till you get punched in the mouth that's Um, right so you've got yeah you've got to be relaxed mentally i think even though i did get a bit annoyed with a bit frustrated that i was sleeping so early you know not everything was going to go smoothly and it still worked out you know it still worked out overall fairly well but yeah three three power nap attempts in the end yeah yeah, that's the thing. It's not necessarily you can say to do it, but it's not necessarily always going to happen, is it? Yes, yes. Mm. Not in this so sport. I've read that you picked up litter along the way. Um, obviously, we can tell from what you've been saying that you're concerned about the environment. So I presume that was your reasoning. But you know, how did that go? And did it? Do you think it slowed you down at all doing that? <laughs> yeah, that was my big worry. Once I'd, once I'd sort of, yeah. Um, committed myself to doing that my big worry was actually will will there be a lot oh dear uh, and and there was a you know sometimes I was wondering whether John because he'd only gone a week before me whether he was dropping something <laughs> behind him to, to slow me down um, that would have been a good idea but, <laughs> yes um, but it wasn't too bad to be honest it was 
if I'm honest, up on the hills, there wasn't much. And, and it was usually my paces. There would normally be one person oh, ahead of me. Great. So they, if they spotted something, they would pick it up, which, you know, very grateful for. Yeah. Um, because there's also it the was waste more, of it. More, yes, yes. Um, so actually, normally you'd see more litter when you get near a village or a small town. And actually my road crew would often, if they saw something, as far as I know, they, they would collect mm. it. So, but we ended up having maybe eight, eight to 10 kilograms of, of, of litter, which, um, but that's over 260 miles. So I actually yeah, thought that wasn't, wasn't too bad. Too and bad. it was usually in the towns. Um, yeah. yeah, one of my friend, one of my friends joked that, yeah, they would, they would come and dump a sofa uh, half, you know, halfway <laughs> up a mountain for me to, um, to, to try drag and collect. Down. So, yeah. yeah. So in the end, I don't think it did weigh me, slow me down, but you know, it could have, it could have. Yeah. So did you have a, um, a high point and a, and a low point? that you could share with us? Yeah, um, I think, yeah, I always thought that second night would be, would be the toughest time because of the sleep deprivation. So mm. uh, depending on your experience level, like, I mean, one night, I'm fairly used to going through one night now. Um, yeah. And that's not a big, obviously you get tired, but it's not a big, a big drama um, or hopefully not. But a second night without proper sleep, that's when, yeah, the, the sleep monsters jump on your back. Mm. Um, that was definitely my lowest point. So there were, there were four or five hours there where I was just, yeah, just moving very slowly, wanted to sleep, wanted to lie down in the, in the grass, wanted to lie down in a bog. Um, and obviously it's a combination of your sleep, your sleep deprivation and, and a calorie deficit. And so people were trying to get me to eat and, and I was putting some things in, but you know, yeah, a friend of mine off, you know, I don't like coffee. I'm a, I'm a tea, tea person. Uh, and a friend of mine persuaded me to, eat some coffee beans um but they would yeah they were disgusting they were being spat out um which was frustrating because they would have been very helpful potentially um but yeah the hummus and avocado sandwiches started to go in well um mm. and basically when when the sun finally came uh, maybe about five or six in the morning yeah it did did perk me up as it has every single yeah. time um, um so once the sun arrived again i thought right i'm through that that night whether it yeah. was a psychological thing or a real sort of physiological thing, it's probably usually a combination of both. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did, I did perk up and we had a really good spell running, but I must say again, that, that, that second or actually third afternoon, I did have another lull. Um, again, I think I'd neglected calories and I was getting a bit complacent if I'm honest that, that, you know, there were, you know, I was about three hours ahead of the record. Um, wasn't yeah. overconfidence, but it was like, you know, there were, there were sort of less than 30 miles to go. There was a feeling of, if you just keep this going, then, then, you know, you've got it. But, and people were, you know, I was very lucky, like members of the public were turning up and congratulating me and stuff. You know, oh, it, was, nice. it was getting really, it was turning into a bit of a procession and I was sort yeah. of forgetting to, you know, I suppose forgetting to eat and drink yes. and it was getting hot for everyone to cover, cover my head. And then suddenly I looked at my watch and you realize, oh, I've just lost, you know, I did get to down to two and a half hours ahead of the record, which mm. is still plenty of time, but I'd That's, lost half an hour. Yeah, and actually, yeah. again, that was like, oh my goodness. So the last three hours actually were really quite stressful. Yeah. Um, I, I'd sort of said to, I had a very experienced pacer with me, Nikki, Nikki Spinks. I don't know if she's yes. well known down there, but she's a big... Well, I certainly know her well. I mean, she's, oh, good. she's a great runner, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, she's, yeah. she's amazing. Luckily, I had her for the first leg and I kind of said to her, um, look, I could, we can just about still get three hours ahead of the record and then I was sort of regretted saying that to her because she was <laughs> she was pushing you and was very oh absolutely she kicked <laughs> yeah. my ass yeah. um 
over those last three hours a, a lot actually I was yeah I was looking forward to it to being like a happy sort of <laughs> procession with friends you know sort of a moving yeah. party all celebrated together it wasn't like that at all it was um yeah she was just Nikki yeah, cracking the whip yes absolutely so I, and I did shout at her a couple of times Nikki oh, we don't have really? to go this fast. I'm, I'm, I'm fed up of this you know um probably with some ruder words in it um but yeah she she pretended she couldn't hear me and carried on um so yeah two two sort of tough moments um I suppose, I mean, all the first 24 hours, if I'm honest, um, went really, really well, really smoothly, um, sort of perfect weather. It was great seeing, you know, old friends, making new friends, yeah. um, all went really well. Um, that was all really lovely. And then, of course, you know, finishing, it was, yeah, I mean, it was one of the best days of my life, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, oh, that's great. You know, several people turned up to run with me, you know, who I wasn't expecting, some, some fell running legends from the past. Mike Hartley, who had had the record, oh, he was there. and John Kelly, who had had the record. Yeah, yeah they, they both turned up at the finish. So they really made it a sort of historic occasion. Yeah. Um, and, and there was a crowd. We were just coming out of lockdown. So yeah. people were still, there were still some rules about how many people could be in places. And people are all still quite anxious. But there was a yes. crowd of, I, I mean, maybe 40 or 50 people oh, at the finish, which I wasn't expecting at Brilliant. all. So that, yeah. was, that was incredible to just come around the corner into this little village. And I honestly thought, why are all these people here? And then... Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then I sort of touched the wall to finish and, and they, they were clapping and cheering. And it was, yeah, hugely emotional. It was, it was absolutely wonderful. I feel very, very, very grateful to everyone who, who came along. Sounds like a, a, a wonderful a, a event and achievement. So that's great. And um, how's your recovery been since then? <clears throat> yeah, I was, I was a bit of a wreck for, for a week or so. Um, I got the night, the night sweats yeah. for, for a few nights. Um, uh, yeah, obviously hobbling around the house, um, and it always seems um, it always seems those sorts of times where your kids actually say, "My kids are nine and six, uh, and obviously I'm in encouraging them to run and be yeah, active." Course. But it always be those days where they're like, "Let's go, let's go for a run, Daddy." <laughs> like, oh, no. um, uh, but yeah, I was a bit of a wreck. Yeah, a week, and it, yeah, eating eating loads, cheesecake for breakfast, that sort oh, of stuff. Sounds brilliant. Um, yes. Um, yeah, it's always a bit devastating, isn't it, when you realise sort of third breakfast isn't isn't a real, you know, isn't a viable option anymore. Um, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so for about a week, I was yeah, yeah, a wreck. Uh, if I'm honest, yeah. waking up at strange times, that sort of stuff, it was quite disgusting. Uh, the, mm. the night sweats. Um, I, and I didn't, yeah, I wouldn't ever try and run for a week or so after something like that. Um, yeah. And then, and then it's just very easy running less than an hour for, for maybe a week. Um, and then it, you know, it starts to come back. Um, mm. And this is all in mid late July. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, no big, no big volume for a while. You start to work on speed again. And then I did, yeah, I did, I did recover. Okay. I did manage to set another record actually in early, was it early October in the end? I think a lot less prestigious, but there's a, um, when I, I live a hundred, uh, sorry, about an hour and a half's drive from the Brecon Beacons in, in South Wales, oh, yeah. um, which are my nearest, I mean, I call them mountains, but you know, they're, they're small in, in the, in the English mountains. Things, but yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> um, the highest, the longest sort of climb is, is only about 400 metres. Um, but yeah, that, that's my big training ground for, for usually when I'm getting ready for UTMB or something. And there's a record there called the South Wales Traverse, which is uh, 70, mm. 73 miles. So, um, yeah, I, I did that at the, early October, I think it was, in the end, sort of, yeah, I'd, I'd recovered enough that I, I, I could, yeah. could put in wow, an effort like that's that. that's pretty good. Um, yeah. 
yeah, and I think again that's down to yeah, good coaching um, from, from David Roach and probably the strength work and, and so on that I was mm. doing. Um, um, but yeah, but I do enjoy. Also, I mean, I gave up booze for three or four months as I often do before a big thing. Wow. Yeah, so I'm I'm, well I'm making up. Yeah, oh, good. Yeah, I don't, good to hear. Yes, it'd be harder to do it down down there, I think. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I make it make up for that in in the weeks afterwards as well. Just just uh, yeah, just relax and yeah. 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 It's, it's almost worth doing them more often then really, isn't it? You get to eat all the food and <laughs> sit around. Yeah. No, it's so, good. I do love that recovery period of, yeah, just yes. eat, yeah, resting and stuffing your face. It's, it's great. Yeah. Sounds like, sounds, I love that too. Yeah. So you've set <laughs> a lot of records, like, like you were saying earlier, you know, the Penang Way, you've done Cape Wrath Trail and Southwest Coast Path and the, the one, the South Wales Traverse, you were just saying, so what's next? You're in lockdown at the moment. Is there any races on the horizon, or are you planning another FKT? Or yeah, it's 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 a bit of deja vu um, all over again um, here. Um, we can't be sure. I have entered UTMB for for this year, but um, you know, people are debate. You know, rightly debating whether it could go ahead um, or whether it goes ahead in the in the normal way. Um, so that's I, a bit I doubt uncertain. it would be the normal way. I guess. It, even I'm beginning to think that might not be possible just because you know mm. the normal race has yeah 2,400 people yeah. in it so <clears throat> that's probably too many I, I don't know uh, so I, I guess we've got to wait and see what they decide and, and, and I suppose what people want to do if I'm yeah if I can still do it whether I want to do it I suppose mm. um, um, but I have entered that and, and I was going to do the spine race um, uh, so another trip back to the Pennine Way um, but that yeah that got that got postponed mm. um, but yeah, I've got, so I, I'm eyeing up to two FKTs here, which um, I suppose I'd rather rather keep to myself Fair for enough. now, yeah. if you don't mind. But, no, but no, one no, of them no. Is, I understand. Um, yeah, a similar, maybe one in April if, if we're allowed, if I can do that in April. It's a similar, it's a similar one to the Pennine Way. Um, mm. And it's actually stood for a similar amount of time. Well, not eight days, but, but um, yeah, the sort of 30 <laughs> years. Yeah. Um, so I'm yeah I'm getting excited about that. So you're not going to tell John about that one? <laughs> no, I'm not. I've got to keep that one quiet. Um, yeah, that, that's that's the main reason I won't tell you for now. Um, but yeah, so I think it, last year did so I did three FKTs last year and it did and and no no races or no ultra races. Mm. So it did change my approach a bit actually. I just enjoyed those FKTs so much. They were, mm. I think, more rewarding than, than a race. So this mm. year, my, my approach was going to be two races and two FKTs. One uh, of those anyway. races is already yeah. off the... Um, so, it, yeah, it's changed my approach. It's sort of one, one of those races, yeah, already off the agenda, and the other one might not happen either. So, yeah, definitely, definitely some more FKTs this year. Um, yeah, they're just really exciting, I think. Yeah, I love them. Yeah, well, that's brilliant. And I think that's a good spot to, to end it there. So thank you so much for um, taking the time to chat with me. And... Um, Hopefully we find out at some point what those FKTs are and um, because we'd love to see how you go. Is there somewhere that we can, people can follow you or, or see what you're doing and that sort of thing? Yeah, thank you. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm on most social media. Um, yep. uh, I prefer, I, I, like, I like Instagram um, mm. and I think on there I'm ultra underscore demo. My, um, and I'm only, I, I'm only use demo because of, because of you Aussies, I, I was, was going to you know, say that's I, a real Aussieism. That one, 
Yeah, well, it started with uh, Damo and Home and Away all those years ago. As soon as there was, a, there was a Damien there, everyone up here started calling me Damo. And then especially when I went to Australia, no one wants to use a long word no, like, uh, like Damien, no. do they? So yeah, why, yeah. why use that when you can cut it in half and stick an O on the end? Exactly. Um, <laughs> so um, I still use some, some Aussieisms up here like Arvo. Um, yeah. People sometimes, yeah, sometimes. Well, some words language. are just too long. Yes. No, you're right. You're right. Um, uh, so yeah, Instagram, I, I enjoy Instagram. I'm on, on Strava as well and, and yeah. most of the usual places. Um, but yeah, hopefully something in April, depending on, depending on the lockdown and so on. If not, yeah. then maybe May. Um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for anyone who follows along. Yeah, no worries. I'll, um, I'll put those links in the show notes. And if you can um, perhaps send me some of those links to those products that you spoke about so that people who, who yes. are also interested in being environmentally friendly on the run can, can have a look as well. Absolutely. Yes, I'll yep. forward them on. Yep. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the chat. Thank you. All right. See you later. I really enjoyed that chat with Damien and I hope you did too. I've included the links to all the products we talked about in the show notes. Make sure you check them out. I also highly recommend going over to Vimeo and purchasing the video of David and John Kelly completing the FKT on the Pennon Way. It's worth every penny and to be honest, it's not that many. Uh, so I hope you enjoy it. Have a great week of training and racing if you're lucky enough. 